0: Hello, fellow friends, family, degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your host. Have a really, really big card coming up, UFC 278. Before I get into that, wanted to now introduce as my new co-host, Buck Schler from MMA Nerd. Buck has been a guest for a long time. He doesn't know that I just made him a co-host, but he's finding out right now. He might be out of breath just from the uh, from the amazement, from the the tears of joy rolling down his face. Uh, but Buck, why don't you do a quick introduction to everyone who you are, in case they don't remember, which I highly doubt.
1: Holy cow, man! You finally put a ring on it. We're official.
0: <laughs> we are official.
1: Facebook official. I'm going to change my status from "It's complicated." It's uh, <laughs> still complicated. Uh, <laughs> I'm the uh, MMA nerd. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at nerdmma. I just love watching fights, love watching recaps, love watching previews. I I love every single bit of it, and I'm I'm here to tell you what
0: I think. There's a reason why his moniker is MMA nerd. By the way, uh, the guy more knows more about stats than anyone I've seen my entire life. But that being said, um, it's always a pleasure having you on, Buck. Uh, we've gotten a lot of really good insight, or you know, from the from the community, from the fans chiming in about uh, what you're bringing to the table. So welcome again. Love having you on the show. Uh, we did get a little bit of feedback, too, for the last podcast that we did. So we're going to try and shorten it up a little bit, uh, try and hit that 30-minute mark. So we're going to gloss over a little bit more and only really focus on those important fights. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this. So what I wanted to do, Buck, if it's okay with you being a co-host now, is just breeze through what I feel are three of the important, or I guess ones that stand out to me as really good bets. This is a difficult card to, uh, to bet. And, and the reason is, is there's a lot of really, really skewed odds, right? There's one that's super close uh, that I, I think we should bet, but there's a bunch that I also think we should bet, but the odds are just so bad on them. Uh, but with that being said, I want to get your feedback on what I feel I'll, I'll go one by one are the three that we should be focusing on for the undercard. First, Miranda Maverick versus Shanna, is it Shanna Young? Shana Young, Shana Young, yes, yeah. So we've got Miranda minus six hundred, Young at plus four fifty. Uh, You know, when we talked about this earlier, we talked about really focusing on the on the main car. So you may not have a tremendous amount of of you know insight into this one because uh, you spent so much time on the main car. But wanted to get your feedback on that one if you haven't, and if you don't, I can go into it really quick. Um, I'll say Miranda Maverick has been
1: awesome to watch and she's a really cool prospect she's on a two fight skid i believe no Mm -hmm. she just got back um but she lost to two other up and comers one was really really close she fought macy barber in a fight that i thought she did enough to win i think i remember it being uh pretty controversial um and then lost to aaron blanchfield and there's no shame in that one aaron blanchfield's also um, big up an up and comer that i'm really excited about watching and i don't take anything away from maverick from losing that one I've been I've been really impressed with her her whole career. So I would always watch that one.
0: So your what's your pick on that one?
1: Oh, Maverick. Yeah, by decision. I don't know if she's got the pop. Um, OK, but that that's so rare, especially at flyweight.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, on top of that,
1: strong, strong and can control. But I don't know if she's got the pop.
0: Well, you know, young on top of that has been taken down in literally every fight that she's ever been in at will. And what is one of the rules I have? You probably don't remember them, but of my 13 rules of betting MMA, wh- whoever can dictate where the fight goes has a significant advantage. And if I see someone that can't stop a you know baseline takedown, um, then, then I'm always going to lean towards the opponent that can't. Right? Um, number two is Leonardo Santos versus Jared Gordon. Leonardo Santos is plus 225. Gordon minus 265. Do you have any thoughts on that one? Um, Flash Gordon. I think I'm gonna
1: go with Jared Gordon. Uh is it one of the ones I'm the most confident about? No, but I think 225, um I think that's worth it. Yeah, I would go
0: with Flash Gordon on that one. Yeah. On top of that, one of my other rules is anything north of thirty-five, you know, you start to lose your chin, cardio, reflexes, mm-hmm. etc. 37 sometimes you lose the will to win. Uh, Santos does not act his age or fight like his age. That guy is 42 years old, okay? Holy cow. I was going to guess upper 30s. Yeah, 42. I'm 43, and I would be terrified to step into cage with these guys. You know that and the complete lack of training and physical fitness. You know, that's the other thing I'm really combating at that point. So I'm going to take Flash Gordon as well. And the third one on the undercard, which I wish was not on the undercard, is Marcin Tybura, who's plus two ninety, versus Alexander Romanov at minus three
1: fifty. Uh, I wrote some notes on this one because um, yeah. I it was previously on the main card, so I, just I studied read, up a little just bit. Just read them verbatim. One.
0: Just give us. You want a, me to? Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding, you want me to
1: read me. verbatim? No, I'm
0: kidding. All just, I wrote was <laughs>
1: King Kong Smash. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's all I wrote. Okay. And I have a little note here that says he was uh, Alexander Romanov was plus 2200 in his last fight against uh, Chase Sherman. He was plus 2200. 2200. Highest betting favorite in UFC history.
0: I mean, it's minus 2200.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, it's minus 2200. <laughs> That's a hell of sorry swing. about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. So minus.
0: Yeah. So sorry. No, minus 2200. This, this is a David. betting podcast for those who are uninitiated and just going on. Uh, outside of not knowing what betting is or how to bet or what the numbers mean, we are very, very successful here. So under <laughs> <laughs> undercard picks, in my opinion, uh, Maverick, Gordon, and uh, how do you say it? Romanov or? Romanov. Romanov. I mean, can we just? I believe. What's their problem? Just need, they need English names.
1: I've heard both. I've heard Romanov and Romanov. Well, it's
0: Romanov over here on the West Coast, so. Uh, minus Call him King burpees. Kong. I think that those three are are pretty much locks. The only one, Jared Gordon, is a little bit suspect um, because Santos hits so hard. Uh, but I think that with 42, his gas tank is going to suffer. I don't care how many, you know, aerodynes and burpees these guys are doing. It's just you can't compete against age. <laughs> age, as they say, is especially weight. at the lower weight classes. If 55, you have to be fast, and you have to be good for a long period of time, especially with the output those guys do. So. All right, so in the main card, let's get right to it. Tyson Pedro minus 740 versus Henry Hunsucker plus 540. And on top of that, just so you guys know, and gals out there, uh, very equitable here, that we have not discussed any of the picks prior to this. So all this is news to me, just as it's going to be news to Buck. So if there's any surprise, it is not feigned. It is completely real. So your thoughts on this fight.
1: I think Tyson Pedro is going to win because he is supposed to. Uh, They gave him his last fight. He fought um, Ike Villanueva, who looked like he was built entirely of wood and moved exactly like that, too. Uh, Pedro's coming off. Is that good or bad? um, A pretty bad. He looked like (laughs) he looked like a fence. It was terrible. (laughs) um Pedro's coming off I think two knee surgeries he had like a uh an AC uh, ACL rep- repair and then it didn't take or they did it wrong and he had to do it again so he's been out for a while um and I also believe he was cut from the UFC for a period of time um he came in with a whole lot of promise looked amazing had the striking um was really slick but Um, was getting tripped up. I think he lost to an old man, Shogun Hua, um, in his second-to-last fight before his break. Um, So he had to take a long time to repair that knee. Finally came back. They gave him uh, Ike Villanueva, who he leg-kicked until he fell apart and knocked him out in the second round, I think. However... This is Harry Hunsucker's third fight in the UFC, I think. He lost um, a contender series fight a couple of years ago uh, and didn't get on. But he's been in now, and he's only fought, um, like, New Zealand-Australian heavyweights. He fought Tai Tuivasa, and then he fought Boy, that's Justin really rough, Taffa.
0: That's a rough one yeah, that's a
1: rough two fight that's run.
0: A rough two fight.
1: And they both knocked him out. Well, so here's the thing. I just watched his fight against Taffa, and Taffa missed weight for that at heavyweight. So he came in at two sixty seven and Huntsucker was like two thirty four or something like that. There was like a whole three weight classes of difference. And that makes a big deal in the grappling. And Huntsucker held his own, which I was really surprised about. Um, he got a Kimura sweep. He was on side control bottom underneath, um, Taffa and was able to wrangle himself back up to his feet, um, and disengage, which was really impressive for being outweighed by three weight classes. He got knocked out, um, with a head kick that he blocked fully. He blocked it with both arms and it knocked him out anyway. And so, you know, as much as huntsucker has got a, a spotty record of like seven and five, those two losses I'm willing to forgive because he is not a heavyweight. I think he took a heavyweight opportunity, but I think his, his two losses came from being totally outgunned, um, at least in the UFC so far. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I... you know, he's a pretty sizable underdog, but Tyson Pedro has made some mistakes in the past, and I could really see him losing this one. He should win; he's supposed to win, but I could really see Tyson Pedro messing this up for himself. And if if I was going to put any money down, honestly, a pretty good return if you dropped a couple of bucks on Hun sucker.
0: Yeah, it's a really good return. I mean, my take on Hun sucker is he's not really great. Anything? I mean. You know, he's good at everything, but he's not great at any single one thing. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he might be walking around 235, but what is he going to do when he cuts down to – he's going to 205, right, for this one? Yeah, light heavyweight. Yeah, when he goes down to 205. So, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of dynamic athleticism from him. I haven't seen significant power from him. Now, maybe that translates pretty well, but, you know, that's always the risk that you take when you're dropping down a weight class. Is he, is he going to be more chinny? at 205 without that, that extra mass, is he going to be, uh, you know, gas early? Is he gonna have problems with the weight cut? We, we don't obviously know that yet because it's not, it's not quite there, but I mean, you can be really drained for someone that walks around at 235, 240, getting down to 205 for fight day, especially if they haven't, they don't have a long history of that, right? You know, grow up in collegiate wrestling where you're doing that every week for a big tournament. Like, I don't really know what his background is, uh, you know, prior to the the UFC. Uh, what he came up on. But I have a hard time seeing where there's going to be a good opportunity for uh, Hunsucker to win this fight, just because he is, you know, I think his apex is maybe a low level gatekeeper, just based on his over athleticism. And he's almost a flashback when you look at people, uh, you know, fighters 15 years ago, where it was okay to be you know quite a bit overweight outside of the samoans tongans and stuff like that where they come in and for some reason they just have the ability to blow people out of the water with that striking power i haven't seen that from him yet right so i have some major concerns and not i i'm i'm concerned enough as to where i'm going to disagree i'm not i would not take henry or harry hunsucker uh at plus 540. maybe as like a fun bet with your friends i don't know but i wouldn't, wouldn't lay very much money on that for sure
1: yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I agree with you that <laughs> Pedro should win. Yeah. He absolutely should win. Should. um, will in all likelihood be on a three-fight skid uh, after this and probably get cut.
0: I, I think so, too.
1: However, Ty- Tyson Pedro also should have beat um, an ancient Shogun Hua. He should have beat him, too.
0: Yeah, that, that's true. I guess only time will tell, but... All right, so the next fight, I don't really have a whole lot to say on these fighters. Um, what are the? I don't even have their names written down because this, this is such a weird card because you've got some bigger stars that are actually on the undercard. And then you've got Harry Hunsucker. And, and who are the other two? Uh,
1: uh, you You're talking about uh, Wu Yanan and uh, Lucia Pudilova.
0: Yeah. If you want to talk about them, by all means.
1: I tell you, um... Wu Yanan's on a three-fight skid right now, and uh, her last fight was fight of the night. Main, she main card throwdown right
0: there. <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure. Um, Lucy Purilova is making her return to the UFC because she she fought back in 2020, I think, and she left on like a four-fight skid. I think um, lost to of Shevchenko,
0: who's um, not who's like who's a
1: a C plus fighter.
0: Antonina is not that good either
1: yeah um so if you're losing to her that's that says something so she um got cut but went on a pretty size uh respectable like five and one streak um back home in the Czech Republic um so then they brought her back in these two are at the same level I I would say they are but they have both gotten fight of the nights um in their UFC careers uh Jana got hers in her last fight and Lucia Pudilova got hers, um, on her previous run. So, you know, it might be a fun scrap, but I don't know if we're going to see an incredible display of technical striking
0: or, I don't know if you have the, the data yeah. in front of you, but when was the last win from any of these,
1: uh, um, Yanan is on a th- so three fight strike, skid. She... yeah.
0: So what last one in the UFC was when, on either one of these fighters, uh, <laughs> 2018. Okay, for yanan So, do you understand now why, without me looking like I'm a a, like a jerk as to why I don't know a whole lot about these these fighters? The last win was what 2018 for one of them, and the other one got released by the UFC, came back after being on the regional scene after four Mm fights losing streak. Come on, that's not that's also in 2018. Okay, so 2018, like Conor McGregor, (laughs) without the uh, the the branding behind him. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I don't want to spend very much time on that one for a reason. Uh, so the next fight is got my vote as the most intriguing fight that there is on the card, and I don't think that I am going to. Well, one of the, one of the two most intriguing ones. As a matter of fact, I don't even have a check mark by the name at this point as to who I'm going to pick because I've been going back and forth watching so many previous fights, which is Jose Aldo plus one twenty. And Marab, Dvalashevili, whatever you want. Dval- there you go. Dvalishvili. Dvalishvili. It was like a, It's like a sneeze uh, at minus 140. Uh, before I get into my thoughts, why don't you tell me what you're thinking on this?
1: Well, pretty famously, Jose Aldo has incredible takedown defense. Mm-hmm. He's got his system. Um, he breaks a double leg when when somebody fires on him he feeds a single instead so forces um, whoever shoots on him to drop his far leg and focus on his near leg and then he frames out against the head pulls his knee out until they've got just like a low single and they've just got him on the shin he can pivot his hips and pull that leg out and he's been really really effective at it Jose Aldo is hard to take down and he's got a really good jujitsu game to back him up his jujitsu is pretty much defensive. He's not a submission hunter, um, but he's got good ground awareness um, and he uses it to get up and stay up. Dvalashvili is out of Sarah Longo. Um, I think he is Georgian. Mm-hmm. So he trains with Al Jermaine and formerly Chris Weidman and Matt Sarah, those guys. Um, yep. He's all gas, no breaks. It's incredible to watch that guy go yep. um i think i i don't know how well um i'm gonna call him marab because davalashvili um is sort of a tongue twister <laughs> it is um i don't know how much success marab is gonna have taken him down but i what i do think he's gonna be able to do is force a pace jose aldo loves to sit on his lead he likes to fight at his pace he likes to sit and make people come to him, and then rip vicious counters. Um, he, when he starts swinging, he's he pounces when he decides it's time for him to strike. But I don't know if Dvalashvili Marab is gonna let him do that. He Marab just goes forward the whole time. He has an incredible pace. He's got amazing cardio. I really think he's going to be in Jose Aldo's face, but I don't think he's going to be able to finish him. I, I'm going to pick um, Marab Devalishvili by decision.
0: Okay. that That's where I was leaning to. Uh, I went back and forth on this. So with Jose Aldo, what I see a lot from him is is he's opening up early on with leg kicks, right? He softens people up. A lot of times they get frustrated or they, they, they try and come in for a takedown. He's able to fend that off. And uh, if he's getting countered a lot or, or he's really worried about the takedown, then he really relies heavily on his boxing game. And more specifically, to your point, his counterboxing, which is usually really, really effective. With Marab, you know, I'm, I'm concerned because he's hittable. When you saw his fight with uh, Marais, I mean, he damn near was mm-hmm. out in that first round, and then he had that miraculous comeback. So we know he's got a chin on him. But what he did to Marais several times is he picked up the leg kick early on and turned that into a really, really dynamic takedown. And so he's going to be utilizing, I believe, early on, a methodology that's going to nullify, uh, uh, you know, how Jose Aldo usually gets respect, which is with that that crisp boxing uh, rips to the body. And then with the, uh, uh, with the leg kicks, I think that Marab has got a, a better gas tank on him, especially, you know, my rules to the fighting game on bets. Uh, Jose Aldo is 35 years old. He's been in a lot of wars. I think he's what, 34 and seven, 32 and seven, something like that. And wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. He's, he's something like that. Um, he's had a lot of wars, a lot of fights, but he's, you know, I've seen him slowing down. So this is not the best version of Jose Aldo today. Like it was four or five years ago. And I think in his mind, he's still a champion, but he's dealing with the, you know, the repercussions of having many, many battles and being a champion for a long time and uh, just having a lot of fights, a lot of battles. So Marab, I I believe is hittable. So I see a lot of risk early on. Uh, I also think that he has the ability to flip the switch on on Jose and take him down with his best early shots. I think that if he gets jose aldo down because jose aldo's uh you know grappling on the ground is not it's very very good but he's he's using it to get up or to exchange you know positions to try and get back up uh not really doing a lot of searching for the the submission at that point so if i think he gets down around he's going to come back and he's going to you know need to go i think that's going to open up some more opportunities for counter shots um, some pace issues from rob and possibly another takedown and then I think third round, you're going to start to see a gassed, somewhat gassed and a tired Jose Aldo, which we've seen many times before. And I think that's going to uh, be the nail in the coffin for him. So I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think it's Marab is going to be winning by decision.
1: I, you know, I, I hate to pick against Aldo. He's, uh, I mean, he's a legend and he's a legend for a reason, and that didn't, You know, and I'm I'm keeping that in mind. He has some incredible body work. If he needs to slow somebody down, he has Jose Aldo threw my favorite punch in UFC history, um, which was his body shot left hook that he landed on Jeremy Stevens. It's I could watch it 100 times. I see it every time I close my eyes. It's my favorite punch I've ever seen. He has so much power. He places it really intelligently. He rips two shot combinations to the body. He likes the low leg kick, which Marab can pick up, but it is the har- it's one of the hardest kicks to like counter with a takedown. You can, you know, catch like a, a, a thigh kick and have that ride up and you can catch it in your hip. You can catch body kicks. You can duck high kicks and and shoot for a takedown while they're out of position or, or their balances off those low calf kicks are pretty quick and far away from from your hands if you're the wrestler so what you can do is time when that's gonna happen and and i'm sure Mirab can do that and dive on um like a power double when jose's on one leg but that's the kind of takedown that Jose Aldo is really, really good at defending. And it is exhausting to shoot for takedowns over and over again. And if Jose can can wear down that front leg and slow Murab's movement and stuff those takedowns and keep him on his feet, land his body shots, he can slow Dvalishvili down over the course of three rounds. Um, so he he does have a reasonable path to victory. This is, I think, one of the closest, if not the closest fight like odds wise. Yeah.
0: It, plus uh, on the card. And
1: mm-hmm, it is. I think that's right. That's correct. Jose Alto has a really viable path to victory. But. I think Marab takes it and I yeah. think he can hold him. He can hold him for those three rounds and make it work.
0: Yeah, I mean, and on top of that with Murabi's, he's, he's not shooting doubles from the outside. He's not like a classic legion wrestler. He's got a Sambo background, which is another mm-hmm. thing we talked about before on Betting Rules. Like, what is that one fighting style that hasn't been fully figured out yet? And I would say at this point, it's Sambo, right? You look at a lot of the guys from the uh, uh, Dagestan, Chechnya, Georgia, all those places that these guys have experience in. And so I try to take that on, you know, the other side of that is... Uh, I mean, I it's disrespectful to say Jose Aldo is a gatekeeper, but Jose Aldo is probably a top five gatekeeper at this point, right? Would Would you agree with that? I I don't think he's getting a title shot at no, Wade. No. no, no. So he's a top five gatekeeper. We'll say that if that's even the right terminology for it. But he's basically separating the the haves from the have-nots at that upper at the upper tier. Uh, I think Marab his his cardio. Um, and also on top of that, you know, when he was doing the, the the catching the low kick, he wasn't catching it out and going for a blast double. What he was doing was waiting. It was timing it. Now, I know it's a different fighter, but malam Rice is a pretty damn good striker. That's got some ridiculous mm-hmm. low kicks and really good power on him. But he would step in as he was throwing the kick and basically catching the top of the thigh. Right. So not waiting out there, connecting with the lower leg. He'd catch the top of the thigh, take his right hand, throw it over his shoulder, then corkscrew. And, you know, really dynamic takedown. And uh, I don't know, you know, I know Jose Aldo's had some challenges, not much with collegiate wrestlers, but it's a little bit of a different dynamic move there. And so I think Handled it's- Handled Chad Mendez twice. Yeah, but again, collegiate wrestler, blast doubles. That's not what I'm seeing from uh. Rob as much. I'm seeing more of a dirty bike boxer with, with pretty good power to him, unreal cardio, and he's throwing in some of those more u- unique looks with the, with the Sambo. Um. Yeah, I would say that this will
1: definitely be Mirab's biggest win by a, by a lot. By a landslide. If he gets this, yeah, yeah, he's beat- especially stopping Jose on a three fight streak. Um, Jose yeah. beat um Cheeto Vera, who just had a really incredible God Cheeto Vera. looked um, good, buddy. He looked good. Jose Aldo held him to a decision, and he beat it. He beat Rob Font the same way um, that Cheeto did where uh, Font was just landed more volume and Jose just had more impact. When Jose hits you, it matters a lot more than when you hit him. He's, yeah, that's true. It would be a huge win. This would be a big, big deal for Mirab yeah. if he gets this win.
0: I mean, Jose's what, six and six? I think since uh, he's he's basically on six and six in the last couple of years, but he's on a three-fight mm-hmm. win streak. Marab yeah, lost well, to... Yeah, well, um, Who's the guy that fights out of Vancouver? Uh, Ricky Simone. Ricky Simon. Simone. Simone. Yeah, that was his last loss, I believe. Um, and Simone, what are, what are the tools that he has? He has that dynamic wrestling, uh, you know, good power to him as well. So, I mean, shit, who knows, dude? It's, it's, a, it's a tough, tough call, but I have to stick to my rules of the game, which is 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 youth, uh especially with that many wars. And also he who can dictate where the fight goes has the biggest opportunity to win. And while it's pretty even, uh, I think Morab's got a little bit of a um a little bit of the upper hand there. The only other thing I'm worried about with Jose Aldo is are those laser knees that will come up if there's any kind of uh desperation takedown. If he gets rocked and he tries to go for a takedown. If he gets hit with one mm-hmm. of those electric knees, I mean, it's it's lights out for anyone in the world. So this is uh, don't put this one in a parlay. Is no, what you're saying? No, God, no. I, I do. You know my rules, anyways. I never recommend parlays. Mm-hmm. Be- you bet. Yeah, you bet. You bet, and you take. You know, this one I would take probably. I don't know what the odds are in front of me, but I'd probably take this one for a decision because that's where most of their fights are going right now, and it's good enough competition where I think it's going to nullify a lot of the strengths and advantages. Uh, I don't see any glaring weaknesses on either side. So, without you can tell, that's the one that that I'm really excited about. Uh, Next one is actually what I'm still pretty excited about. It's probably two of the most unlikable guys in the UFC, (laughs) which is Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold. Paulo Costa minus 350, Rockhold is plus 290. Your thoughts?
1: Um, well, first, I'm gonna dispute. I think Luke Rockhold is on a bit of a face turn right now. I think um, he's gonna pull the old Michael Bisping and everybody hated him before. and I think he's coming back and he's got a new attitude and I think people are gonna like him a lot more now. Um, I've been listening to a couple of his um, media uh, media day interviews and uh, I like where his head's at. He's saying he's coming back. He's sober seven months. He's been training with Jason Perillo, and and he's been training with Cheeto Vera. He really sounds like he's got um, a really good camp. He's been with them or for had, a long time, a good...
0: hasn't he? Or uh... Uh,
1: he was with um, AKA before American Kickboxing Academy, and he trained with Daniel Cormier and Cain Velasquez. And i I think he still does I think off he and on. Too, well, yeah. he doesn't train. He doesn't train with Cain Velasquez, but he <laughs> trains with. Um, the guys at AKA um, and I think he, and he goes down to elevation um, R yeah. RVCA I think, or I think that's the name of it. Jason Perillo's gym. Um, he's been speaking really highly of his time with Chito Vera um, and Perillo. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about new Luke Rockhold. That being said, there are some things that Luke Rockhold struggles with and they are things that Costa does very well um number one i think the thing that everybody thinks about is that luke rockhold has a glass jaw and paulo costa hits very hard and i will say yes costa hits very hard and yes luke rockhold has been knocked out but i'm gonna push back on the idea that he has a glass jaw because yeah he got knocked out three fights in a row but one was against michael bisping who has a lot of knockouts on his record and then the other two were against Yoel Romero and Jan Blahovic, and those are two of the biggest bangers in both of those divisions. Yeah. Both of those guys and hit yeah. like trucks. Yeah, and I I wouldn't say like nobody says Dominic Reyes has a has a weak chin, even though he got knocked out two fights in a row. It's because he got knocked out by Jan Blahovic and Yuri Prohaska, and I I think those are. Even people with who are well tested can get slept by those guys, but what what Rockhold does, what what's gonna hurt him in this match is that he needs a lot of space to do his offense. Mm-hmm. He likes to be in the middle of the cage, and he likes the space to rip those like blisteringly fast left body kicks, and he lunges in with big punches. Um, but he sets them up with kicks and and really good footwork. But he needs a lot of space to do that. Um, and Costa really excels at cutting off the cage and forcing people to have to move, you know, laterally to try and escape him. And he corrals them into his big power shots and his big power kicks. If Paulo Costa gets his game up, it's gonna be a really tough fight for Luke Rockhold. I think just like you say, where the fight happens, the person who can dictate where the fight happens has a huge advantage and Paulo Costa has the same strategy for every single fight. He plants his feet and he fires huge single shots and forces you to fight at his pace. And he will fire those shots until one of them clips you just for a second. And as soon as you show any weakness, he swarms and swarms to knock you out. But I think also, and probably something that happens a lot more often is that he forces his opponents back to the cage. And that's where he can start to really let his offense go. He loves huge body shots Um, with his kicks and with his punches. I really like that he's not a headhunter. He kicks from both sides, corrals people, and gets them to move into his power shots really, really well. And Luke Rockwell, I don't know what sort of changes he's made to his game, but in the past, he does not move super well on the cage. David Branch caught him on the cage. Chris Weidman caught him on the cage. He takes some shots to the chin um before he can get a hold of somebody and usually gets a hold of them by you know with a tie clinch or like a over under and starts to to wrestle on the side of the cage and and you know get the dig his underhook and turn them around and you know uh, work his game from there but he it takes him a little bit to get away from the cage and i think if he takes his time there he's going to be in a lot of trouble
0: yeah I, I i i completely agree with that assessment and one thing that you mentioned I hadn't thought about it is you're right. He does not do a very good job getting off the cage. And that's exactly where Paulo Costa is going to put him, right? He's going he's to come in early. Now, I, I, don't, so I don't see Costa or Rockhold having really good takedowns. But if it does get there, I think that Rockhold has a distinct advantage on the ground because he's got some of the best jiu-jitsu I've ever seen. Very underrated.
1: So underrated. So underrated. Luke Rockhold's jujitsu is a threat. Criminally And underrated. I think, yeah. Yeah. He is going to really threaten Costa on the ground. But
0: how are they going to get there? Do you have, Like inside leg trip? But how are they going to get there? Is he going to have to get rocked? Is he going to have the wherewithal if he does get rocked? Because that's the only way I see this going down. He's just not a dynamic takedown artist. Um, That's just my personal opinion on this. I haven't seen anything to counter that. Um, how, how do you feel about Paula Costa's game on the ground? I mean, he's good. I have, I've never seen him on the ground. I,
1: uh, he was on the ground for a second against Marvin Vittori in his last fight, but he shot right back up. Okay. Um, He's very strong. He's very athletic. very athletic. He's got a black belt in jujitsu. I believe. Um, I, Yeah. I think if Luke Rockhold gets him down, it's like a classic pull the hips out on a double leg against the cage. I think that's, Um, that's what rockle has got. I don't think he's going to land like a really clever, you know, snatch single or get him with a a hip toss or something like that in the middle of the cage.
0: So if Marva Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he does. He just has really good pressure. Once he gets somebody down, usually it's dragging, you know, he'll, he'll trap one foot and just drag the person down along the cage. Um, and I, and I am very confident that if he does that to Paulo Costa, Costa can use his explosive strength and launch himself back up and get back to his feet. But I don't know how many times he can
0: do that. Exactly. So Costa's got a, a, a notorious reputation for gassing out um, because he throws his big shots, one and two. Uh, and, and especially if he feels like he's going to hurt him, he goes in there and, and blasts it. Uh, but I mean, back to your point, if vittori who's got a really good takedown game can't get costa to the ground or he can't keep him there then how does this bode for just a jiu-jitsu specialist someone that needs distance needs range doesn't really have a path to get someone down uh um you know quickly or effectively he's gonna be it's gonna be one of those opportunistic takedowns probably again like on the fence or you know connects with the right Gets him close to the fence and then you see Costa kind of you know roll out to the side he reaches down grabs a leg and holds on for dear life i don't think that's going to happen on top of that you've got rockhold who is 37 years old i think his last one was 2016 correct might have been against david branch yeah so 2016. uh so he's been you know they say ring rust isn't real i think it takes a very special person to feel that ring rust isn't real He's past that age bracket. You know, he's got a good life outside of MMA. He's uh, an underwear model and he's dating rock stars and, you know, this and that and the other. Uh, He's got a good life outside of here. So is he winning or is he back in the UFC because of him? Because, you know, I remember last time that he fought, uh, Dana White was saying, I hope that he retires. You know, I I don't want him in here anymore. Was that because he wasn't hungry or is because he's he's getting older and uh, maybe doesn't have the the drive to win as much anymore like he used to so those are the things that concern me and those are things that you can't overcome until you watch them perform again which i haven't seen anything good coming out of him since 2016.
1: i'll tell you what he actually addressed that in his um media scrum i think that was today um surprise you withhold today being (laughs) wednesday the 17th is when we're recording this um he was talking about his attitude that he's got towards the UFC now, and he was mentioning the same thing that you were saying. He's got um, more outside of the UFC now, and it was really cool that he was saying that because of that, he doesn't need the UFC anymore. He says the only thing the UFC could possibly give me is a title. I can I'll beat Paulo Costa, and they'll give me a title shot. And if they don't, I have no time for this anymore and he's going to walk away and i think that's really good i like his i'm not going to play games anymore attitude he's not he's in he's more in control of his career now and i like that for him
0: yeah but anyone that that's um, not hungry is going to have a difficult time with the training and preparation required for someone that doesn't have everything set true. up and so like saying that you you have fuck you money and a fuck you career outside of this and bastion, because I know you said some things about Dana and all that kind of stuff. Like that He's right though. Fuck Dana. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean at the end of the day, that doesn't that doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence in me because you gotta be hungry in the sport because you're not making any yeah. money unless you're the top tier. And I think that he was blessed to come off that many losses and then fight someone like Paula Costa or Paula Costa. And mm-hmm. I think that there might be a, a plan from Dana White, just like we're seeing with Hamza versus uh, Nate Diaz on, uh, you know, I don't think that there's as big of a gap here as there is, th- as there is in that fight, but I mean, this could be a, a giant fuck you, uh,
1: and a send off, for rock hold.
0: I understand. Yeah. Totally. I see. And why not? I mean, if I was coming for a job interview and be like, Hey, you know, I don't really need this job. I've got a lot going on, but you know, I just want to come in and be vice president. Like, that's not going to still like a lot of, of confidence that they're going to come in and work their ass off. That's for damn sure. Personal opinion might be wrong. Find out Saturday. For sure. You know what? The thing I think about this
1: fight is Luke Rockhold absolutely has the skills to do what Israel Adesanya did to Costa in their title fight. Luke Rockold has hellacious leg kicks and Paulo Costa stands really flat footed and Costa throws these single he, these big single shots. He faints, he faints, but his faints aren't as, as good as they could be because his faints and his big shots don't look the same. And so you can kind of tell when one is one and when it's the other. Um, And I think the the danger with that is Luke Rockhold has a really, really nice check right hook and he's gotten a lot of knockdowns from that. He got Luke, um, got Chris Weidman with that. And that started a grappling exchange where he landed some serious ground and pound and controlled after that. So we were, we were discussing earlier, how does Luke Rockhold get it to the ground? You know, maybe he pins him against a cage and drags him down over a leg and, and, gets side control or gets maybe like half guard and pins his hip to the ground and gets some ground and pound on Costa. The other way that happens is Paulo throws one of those big swinging hooks in the middle of the cage and Luke clips him with the same check right hook that he's gotten so many other people with the same thing. And that's what happened to Costa against Adesanya, big single shots walks into counters and you know, you, your weight doesn't stay the same after getting kicked in the leg as much as he did you know you have you're not quite so quick to to pull your weight back over your hips and and regain your balance and and be more resilient to counter shots And um, so if 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 rockhold can start chipping away at that leg early and really beat it up and force big weight transfers from Costa as he leans over that to land big power shots, I think he might be able to clip him with a check right hook and, and get him to the ground that way, and
0: and that might be a short night. That's a big if, and I'm offended. That but, you know, I'm offended that you would compare him to Israel Adesanya. To <laughs> well, you know what?
1: What? Izzy is very, very good. Izzy's very, very good, but the game plan that Israel had against Paulo Costa
0: I think Luke Rockhold could do that Izzy is arguably some of the best footwork and most precision striking I've ever seen in the UFC. Um, that's where I think that that Rockhold does not meet where Izzy is is his ability to move back and forth and then set up the shot. I think Luke Rockhold sometimes will strong arm his combinations sticks to a game plan whereas Izzy is downloading data the entire first round it comes second round. He's just uploading that data into his combinations because he knows where he's going to be. And Izzy is almost impossible to take down. And I've never seen him really trapped up against the side of the cage unless he's openly taunting the individual. So I think that there's (laughs) there's significant differences between the two, in my personal opinion, um, especially given the age gap. We're going to see how quick Rockhold is at 37 years old, being out of the fight game for so long, you know, contemplating retirement, doing underwear modeling instead of being in the gym. We're going to find that out real quick. But uh, it's an interesting matchup. It's an intriguing matchup. I have respect for both of them. I don't know if they're, um, you know, at least the Luke Rockhold of five years ago is not someone I'd want to hang out with because, man, he was an egotistical motherfucker. But anyway, I uh, don't want to go too far over our lot of time limit here. Uh, let's take a look at the last one. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of this guy, uh Kamaru Usman uh versus Leon Edwards.
1: Kamaru Usman, that's um that's Ultimate Fighter winner Muhammad Usman's brother, right?
0: Maybe, I don't know. He's good though. That's, that's <laughs> no relation. Yeah, yeah. He's damn good. Uh what are your thoughts on that fight? Well, um I was
1: less certain Um, before I started doing some some film study, uh, I I was I was less confident in Usman. Um, I I remember the first time I watched Usman Covington 2, I was really frustrated with Kamaru. Um, I was really frustrated at his striking. Um, I was starting to get worried that he, he had fallen in love with it and he was getting away from his game. And I don't know if that's just because he he really respected Colby Covington's wrestling, which I, I think is a smart idea. But he's been, he's been getting really, really into his hands. Um, For a reason. And they're, <laughs> well, they're good. Yeah, he's that, really powerful. He really, he really, uh, I yeah. I rewatched his fight against Gilbert Burns. Jesus. Um, and that was just a masterpiece. His work with Trevor Whitman has helped him in incredibly. Um, I, I think that he gets a little wild when he gets hit. He, he did it against Covington a a couple of times where he'll get clipped with a, a little hook or something. And, and his response is to really duck his head and start swinging big. Um, And Leon Edwards has some really nice counters. He counters in combination um, I think ducking your head and, and throwing blind with big, heavy shots is a pretty irresponsible move on Kamar Usman's part. That being said, Usman's wrestling is something that he can always fall back on, and no one's got an answer for that right now. He r- maintains position along the cage super well. It's not the most exciting thing to watch in the world, but undeniably effective. Controls the posture controls the positioning he's got his head under their chin he's got his foot stepping on their toes messing up their their stance against the cage he rips body shots he he was churning out body shots uh on tyron Woodley in his title in their title fight like no one I've ever seen before absolutely relentless against the cage and if he does something like that, I could really see him really controlling Edwards throughout this fight. But if he stays in love with his hands and tries to be Mr. Knockout Artist, I, th- I think he's going to
0: start paying for it. I really do. I, I agree with some of what you said. I think that Kamaro Usman is one of the most intelligent, highest I, uh, fighter IQs I've ever seen in the UFC. I think that he knows his strengths so well and is able to apply them in a way that uh, against fighters like Jorge Masvidal, where they've never seen anything like that before, but more important than all that. And I don't know if you know his backstory. I'm not getting it. I I have, I sent another podcast, but we're, we're limited on time. The mental strength of that individual is so above and beyond that. I find it difficult to, pick between the greatest of all time, between him, GSP, John Jones, and Khabib. He is absolutely without a doubt in that realm. Um, I think you're right. He may have fallen in love with that, that jab, right cross. Um, I I also think that he has a lot more opportunities to dictate again, where this fight's going to go. So Leon Edwards looked really, really good uh, against Nate Diaz. But that is Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is in the limelight of his career. We don't know how he's actually training uh, or anything like that. And he got bored or, you know, lost, uh, uh, lost his attention for a little bit, a little attention lapse. He almost got knocked out by, by Nate Diaz. Kamaru Usman is starching people right now. And on top of that, he, there's no threat to getting taken down by Leon Edwards. Zero. And so he's not gonna have to bring his hands low there's a significant chance that if leon starts laying good combinations that he's gonna get taken down by Kamaro. so look for round two round three that he's gonna start bringing his hands down it's gonna open up his chin for that jab bring it up either get popped with a blast double he's gonna be trapped up against the cage gonna get dragged down and he's gonna be in really really deep water um Kamaru Usman is the kind of guy that I wish I had in my life so my kid could meet him and like hang out with him because he's that good of a person. Um, mentally stronger than anyone I've ever seen in the UFC besides maybe Khabib and has more tools at his disposal. His physical gifts and his training regimen are second to none. There is not a snowball's chance in hell that Leon Edwards is going to take this fight from him. This is the biggest lead pipe lock outside of there's any risk to Kamaru Usman having a lingering knee injury that I see Leon Edwards having a a a, a shot. And, and then on top of that, I'm going to take it one step further. I don't see Hamzat being able to take the belt away from Kamaru Usman. I really believe that. Whoa. You know what?
1: Um, I liked a lot of what you said there. I, I, um, I do, Um, but some of it goes the other way, I'll say. I actually, you were mentioning that once Leon starts sticking in the pocket and trying to throw combinations, that's when Usman's going to threaten those takedowns. And we talked about um, Jose Aldo versus Rob Devalishvili, the benefits of mixing in your takedowns with your striking offense. And and I think that's going to show up again here. Um, However, I think in the reverse of that, in those clinch exchanges with Usman throwing strikes to the body, like he, like he likes to do. I think he's going to leave his head open and Leon Edwards is really, really good at striking with big, hellacious elbows out of the clinch. Um, And if Usman gets careless and keeps his and keeps striking longer than he, he should in the clinch, he's going to leave himself open to like really big head strikes. And I, the the main thing I'm worried about is Usman's knees. Yeah, that's the one he, got out for me. He said in a podcast recently, I think that he hasn't run for like three years. Like he gets his cardio training other ways, but hasn't done like road work in three years because his knees are so shot from his wrestling career. Um, and Leon Edwards knows that um, he's got really good low kicks. Um I I that's so that's what Leon's got. He's got the really good low kicks. Um he counters big single shots. Um Usman um does have a really good one too, but he does throw a lot of single jabs. Um and Leon Edwards is really good at countering single shots like that, and he counters in combination really well. Uh Those are the things I would watch out for. But you're right. I don't I don't think he takes the belt from from Usman. I think Usman holds him uh, and controls him, dictates where the fight goes. Um, And, you know, and if he takes it to the ground and and can control from on top, he, he doesn't have to worry about his knees so much. He can apply pressure and and just weaken the body and move on into
0: a strong mountain and deal some pretty serious damage. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Leon Edwards is, you know, if I compare him to Colby Covington, I think Colby Covington would take that fight. Uh, If I compare him to Gilbert Burns, I mean, Gilbert Burns has got some of the heaviest hands. He's got, um, you know, good takedowns. He's got amazing jujitsu. He's got, uh, you know, even though they're a bit looping, he's got good kicks and none of that so far. And we're talking about a three-year time frame has has done anything to Kamaro. and even if he did come in with a somewhat of a bad knee, he's the kind of guy that when he makes a that, with that mental preparation, there's no quit in that man. There's zero quit in him, especially with this backstory and what he's been through in order to even make it here you know from Nigeria uh, you know his dad was in prison and uh, all I mean the, the list after list his parents didn't even know he was wrestling until they saw him on TV on accident. He was sneaking out and competing in state tournaments in Texas, not allowed to wow. wrestle. I mean, it's just that's unbelievable. And his dad got wrapped up in some kind of tax fraud thing, which I think he was he was like a patsy on and he was serving time and had to go get his blessing from his dad in prison to compete in mixed martial arts because they didn't want him to do that, wanted him to be like a doctor or a dentist or something like that. He I think he said in a podcast that
1: after his UFC career he wants to be a marriage and family therapist.
0: Okay. So the guy, which I love, dude, what did I tell you about that guy? He like, if he could come over to my house and hang out, he, I mean, I, I don't even know him. And I just walk up and be like, Hey, you'd be my son's godfather. You know, he's like one of those guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd, that'd be a good choice. Actually. And he'd probably say line. yes, because that's just who that, that guy is. And I, I don't see him being beat anytime soon, unless uh, he retires or Hamza is able to work out some of the, the kinks in his game, uh, even though I think he's close, uh, I think he's going to be the eventual, uh, you know, reign of that, uh, of that, that the 170, the welterweight division. But that being said, uh, I'm really excited about that fight. I love Kamaru Usman. I didn't in the beginning because he was kind of a shit talker, but I didn't know the context of what he was talking about. And looking at him now, and knowing his backstory, and watching him with his family, the way he like holds his daughter, his wife, his family in such high regard. And still just lays the wood out there. Not a better person on this planet, in my opinion. I don't know that for a fact. He might be a total dick in real life. <laughs> but his his persona is really- Then he's really, an incredible yeah, actor. Yeah, he's an incredible actor. And Luke Rockhold, just most of his training camp. And then to your point about him leaving his head open when he's going for that double up against the cage, trying to drag him down. Uh, who is the coach or uh, Elevation Fight Team? I forget his name. Uh, Trevor Whitman? He's got Trevor Whitman. You don't think that man's. That, uh, you don't think that man's. De- onyx, yeah. You don't think that guy's developing a fight plan with him? That, that Anytime anyone that guy touches turns into gold. So, no, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not. I think the game plan is going to be sound. And I think he takes it serious enough as to where he's not going to be reliant upon his natural gifts. And it's, his, his remaining skill set is going to be new skills, new game plan, new fighter out there. And I think he's going to. Uh, beat Leon. I don't know if it's going to go to a decision. I I mean, everyone's leaning towards this being a five-round decision. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that this is a... Uh, I can see Kamar Usman winning this versus in a TKO fashion.
1: You know what? I was going to say the same thing. I'm going to say a fifth-round finish. I think Leon has bad fifth rounds. He, um, he got cracked by Nate Diaz, like you said, and Rafael dos Anjos, um, in the fifth round of their fight. I, I, yeah, I think that's where he starts to, to, to lose a step. And I, and we've seen time and time again that Usman can go all five rounds and he's dangerous the whole time. So I think, uh, I know you don't like to bet on the method, but I'm pretty confident Usman wins by KOTKO in the fifth round. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm more against the parlay than I am the method, but uh, the, and the method is such a toss in the air. I mean, who the hell knows? Uh, mm-hmm. That being said, so I think if we could do a real quick recap uh, for underdog picks, it's Miranda Maverick, it's Flash Jarrett Gordon, and Alexander mm-hmm. Romanov. I'm going to say Romanov. For the main card, go for it, it's Tyson Pedro. It's going to be Marab, Devala, Shavili, whatever. And Paulo Costa and Kamar Usman. Those are our picks. Uh, you got any big plans for the fight? Uh, you
1: know me, we're just going to the bar. We're going to be in the mix. We're going to be around people again, and, um, we're going to scream with the big knockouts
0: and uh, it's going to feel great. Fantastic. Yeah. I think, That's gonna be like the first night I have alone without my family in like three years because of the pandemic and shit. (laughs) So I will be watching that probably by myself and enjoying every single moment of that. And I no better way to spend it. I got two young kids. It's uh it's difficult to get time. So anyway, uh really appreciate you being on the on the podcast again, Buck. Um it's always a pleasure. Love your insight, love your breakdowns, and and I really appreciate your attention to detail and the back work that you do for all these um i think that we've got a great set of fights gonna be a big card coming up this weekend i hope everyone has a a good opportunity to play some solid bets and make some money off of us uh appreciate everyone taking the time to listen to the podcast and without further ado i bid you farewell don't forget drop 10 bucks on hunsucker (laughs) 10 bucks on hunsucker worst 10 bucks you'll ever spend all right right, (laughs) have a good one everyone